This is ARN. Decidedly Christian, distinctly biblical, and just a little bit nuts. This is Squirrel Chatter. Ladies and gentlemen, I am your squirrel, the host, coming to you from the ARN studios, high atop the tallest tree in the Piney Woods. Good to have you with us. It is Tuesday, the 8th day of August, 2023, and this is Squirrel Chatter, a podcast dedicated to scripture, theology, history, current events, and whatever else I want to talk about. We webcast every Monday through Friday at 7.30 a.m. Mountain on Twitter, Facebook, and Rumble. And then the podcast is available for download wherever you find fine podcasts. Squirrel Chatter is a proud member of the Christian Podcast Community. Head on over to ChristianPodcastCommunity.com. Check out all the great curated podcasts that are over there. You are certain to find something worth listening to. I guarantee it. All right. It is Tuesday. Last night was the last class session of Dr. Scott Annual's masterful class on the Psalms, which was the class that I audited um, from GBTS for fall sem- or for summer semester. And uh, yeah, I want to jump into fall. It's not fall yet, but uh, it was a, just a fabulous class. Um, I wished we'd have had, you know, more time together. Uh, the, the, he was doing it from his office at G3 in Atlanta. So the entire class was via Zoom. There was no in-person, um, which wouldn't have helped me because I'm, you know, hundreds of miles away. But it would have been nice. Actually, I think I'm over a 1,000 miles away from Conway. I don't know what the mileage is. But it's a ways. It, it took me two and a half days to drive there. So... And and I drive long days, <laughs> just so you know. Um, but it uh, it uh, the, just a great class. Um, one thing that would have been nice had it been an in person class was we would have been actually singing together in class, which we did last summer when I took his uh, theology of worship class. We began every class session by pulling open our hymnals and singing. Um, And we would have done that this time, but you can't do that over Zoom because of all the the delays. You you know, nobody's perfectly synced up, so you can't sing together on on Zoom. Um, It's just like, you know, when I, I hit the button to start the five-minute timer for the podcast right at 7.25. And so the podcast officially begins right at, or right at 7.30. And it, it you know, I've, I've had, you know, my phone on Twitter or Rumble uh, a couple of times, and it's always, you know, a few seconds behind. Because digital is not, you know, perfectly exact. The, the BBC talked about that because they, they do their pips at the top of the hour. You know, there's a pip, 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 
pip that they broadcast at the top of every hour. And it used to be right on. You could set your watch by it. But now with digital processing and stuff like that, even the broadcast isn't right on the hour, let alone anybody streaming it digitally. So it's a it's just an artifact of, of digital broadcasting that you're not going to be exactly on time. Well, that affects things like, um, you know, Zoom meetings. There's no way, they, the bandwidth won't take everybody talking at once, so you can't sing together. And because of the digital aspect of it, you wouldn't be in sync. So we were not able to sing together. But it was just a great class we just dis we discussed um the the compilation of the songs you know the the collecting and organizing of them very interesting stuff um and we we talked about you know reading the psalms preaching the songs psalms chanting the psalms which is what we started with last week um and, you know, looked at how for, you know, 1,500 or more years, that was the music of the church, was chanting the psalms. And so we talked about chanting and how chanting works and and and, and especially focused on what, what is known as Anglican chant, because that is um, probably the easiest <laughs> But he was encouraging us to, to, you know, introduce these things to our church. Um, and then last night we talked about metrical psalms and, uh, and then paraphrase psalms. And just that, you know, the, the, because it is, you know, inspired scripture, that singing the psalms is going to be beneficial to the life of the church. It was just a great class, and and I'm sorry it's over, but last night was the last class session. Um, but good stuff. I I'm still behind on my reading. I've got a. I have every intention of uh, excuse me. I have every intention of finishing um, the the reading. I did get behind, but uh, hey, I'm Captain Audit. I don't have to take the test or write the papers or anything. So. Um, uh, but yeah, that, that was, that was a good class. Um, I'm, I, I, I have greatly enjoyed the two classes from Dr. Annual that I've taken the theology of worship last summer. And then this one, this summer, good stuff. So I'm, I'm, I would commend his books to you, uh, commend his articles to you on G at G3. Um, looking forward to seeing him next month when I'm down there for G3. And hey, there's a bit of news. I'm going to G3. Um, I, <laughs> looking at the expense of it, it might be the only G3 I ever go to. <laughs> yeah. um, it was two years ago during the last G3. And I've, I've had friends that, that go every year, of course. And um, so I see them all posting their pictures and having fun at G3. And I'm thinking, oh man, it'd be fun to be there. And 
you know, a lot of the same people there that I see in California for Shepherd's Conference, so a lot of friends, and even a lot of the same speakers and stuff. And so I was, you know, considering, you know, hey, it'd be fun to go. It was two years away, and the last day of the conference, they announced a really, really cheap early bird that was, I think, was only available until the conference closed, like the last day of the conference. And uh, so I said, yeah, that's that's doable. So I purchased my my uh, uh, conference credentials two years ago at that very inexpensive early bird price. And of course, Mrs. Squirrel rarely travels with me. She suffers from migraines and, and doesn't like to travel um, in addition to being quite the introvert. <laughs> um, I'm introverted to a point. She's really introverted. Um, but uh, so we had, you know, I had planned to, to go to G3 starting two years ago. And then last spring, I was booking my air travel and hotel and everything. And I'm like, wow, this is really expensive. <laughs> and I started thinking about it. And it's like, well, how can I do it at Shepherd's Conference every year? I don't spend this much. And the reason is I stay with friends. When I'm down at Shepherd's Conference, I don't have hotel bills. And that makes a huge difference. And uh, so that, that you know, so I'm looking at this now. I have family in Atlanta, but they're nowhere near the conference venue. So I'm not, you know, I don't want to drive 45 minutes to an hour every day going to and from the conference. So, you know, especially not in Atlanta traffic that I haven't driven in. And, well, actually, I've never driven in Atlanta traffic. Now that I think about it, I've ridden in Atlanta traffic, but I was 11 when we left Atlanta. And I haven't been back to Atlanta since high school. So this is going to be a uh, be a fun trip there, at least as far as a homecoming. But I'll be nowhere near my home or where I grew up. And our house in the Atlanta suburb of Dunwoody, um, our house is uh, long gone. There are... Uh, four or five McMansions on the property north of Atlanta where our modest three-bedroom house sat. <laughs> so, um, but we had acres. We had a, we had a yard and the huge tree house dad built me and all that stuff. Um, but that's all, that's all gone. It's covered with, you know, like I said, three or four big McMansions with no yards just you know close to close to each other but but huge houses and the only reason i know that is i've looked at it on google earth <laughs> i said i've never been there but yeah our house is long gone um but i'm not going to be at that end of town you know, i'm going to be at the airport i'm not leaving the airport the the hotels at the airport and so I'm not renting a car. I'm not doing anything. I'm flying down. I'm going to the conference and I'm flying back. But boy, it's, it's a, 
it's a pricey trip. <laughs> so it may be the only one I do unless uh, Josh and Virgil decide they want me to speak so they, they underwrite my trip, which I don't see that happening <laughs> anytime soon. <laughs> they may be friends of mine, but they're not crazy. I am not that caliber of speaker, so there is that. Um, but yeah, so I will be. If you're going to be at G3, I will be at G3. Um, now, I looking at past G3s, I believe that the Christian Podcast community will have a table um, at G3. I, at least we used to. We did before. Um, and if we do, I will doubtless be at that table from time to time. Um, I haven't talked to Andrew about that. Uh, you know, I don't have a scheduled shift or anything like that, but, uh, I, I may before the time comes, <laughs> we'll, we'll see, but yeah, I'll be at G3. So if you're going to be at G3, make sure to look me up and a good place to start is, you know, messaging me on Twitter or something, but, but, uh, you know, or tagging me on Twitter. Um, I have my, I have my direct messages locked down to just people I follow. Um, but you can certainly tag me on Twitter and I'll see that. And, uh, yeah, so that's going to be fun. I'm looking forward to it. Um, and so that will be the next time I, I see Dr. Annual, but boy, I sure, sure have enjoyed the class. And, uh, so I commend his, uh, his book musing on God's music is a, a really good short primer on the Psalms. It's not a, a, a in-depth scholarly treatment. It's a short popular book, but very helpful in helping you think through the Psalms and stuff. So I would encourage, encourage you to read that really good book. Um, he's an excellent writer. Um, and apparently he teaches creative writing and research and writing classes. He hasn't done one at GBTS yet, but he does. That is a subject that he teaches. So, and, and it shows in his writing um, very much. He's very readable and very informative. And, and so I would commend to you, t-shirt neckline is, these t-shirts have huge necks. And they're bigger than any of my other, they're, I mean, it's comfortable, but you can't get a nice clean neck, neckline with a, a loose loose neck like this. And it's almost like the shirt's too big, but the shirt's not too big. It's just got a huge, huge neck. Um, be that as, as it may, they I got like a 10-pack of these <laughs> from Walmart because they were cheap. Um, yeah, because I needed T-shirts. But that be that as it may. All right, what do we got coming up today? We have prayers from the Book of Common Prayer. We have a reading from John MacArthur's Daily Readings from the Life of Christ. And we're back in our study Bible level Bible study. We're looking at Deuteronomy 14, 1 through 21 today. This is the passage we were going to look at last Wednesday when we suffered a power outage here at uh, the Piney Woods. I did talk to... Uh, uh, Seth from church, the, the guy who works for the electric co-op, I did talk to him a little bit about it. And apparently there was, it was a substation near here that had an issue. And 
while they were repairing that issue, they repaired a couple other things, and that's why it was so long. The, they had the one failure, but then when they got there, they're looking around, they're saying, okay, that's a problem, that's a problem, that's a problem. So they went and fixed everything before they brought it back up, which was a good thing. So, and apparently it wasn't Rural Electric's uh, power station. It wasn't Missoula Rural Electric's power station. It was indeed a Montana power substation. Um, so my friend wasn't directly involved in the repairs, but of course they, they draw their power from the same, you know, substation. So I don't know how it all works, how you have all these different power companies working together. They're all using the same electricity, but you got different power companies paying different rates and, and, and it's, it's kind of like phones, you know, your, 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 your cell phones, you know, like if you're on, you know, what's it, Patriot Mobile? Patriot Mobile uses the network of the major carriers. They use the towers, they use the lines, everything, but you pay a lot less for the phone. No, I'm not sponsored by Patriot Mobile. Actually, I don't even use them. Um, we're on Verizon. But, you know, the fact that, how does that work? They're using the same, you know, is you have these companies like Verizon and AT&T and, and, you know, they, they spend all the money putting up the towers and building the infrastructure. And then these other companies come in and use them. Um, now, obviously, they pay, you know, they have to pay Verizon to use their network, I'm sure. But they're charging less money than, I don't know how it works. I honestly don't know how it works. And, and a lot of it, it just... I mean, I think back to, I grew up when we had one power company and we had one phone company and it made sense to me that you had AT&T. That was the nationwide phone company that, you know, you had one phone network across the entire nation. And when the other, you know, when they broke up AT&T, all of the little baby bells, as they called them, and then the competitors to the baby bells, all were using the same phone lines that AT&T had built. And yet different rates and different... You know, I never did understand how that worked. Never did understand how that worked. So I, I have... Great gaps in my knowledge when it comes to this shared infrastructure stuff. Because it's not like a, you know, highway where every, every trucking company runs down the highway and they use the same highway. The highway is government-owned and paid for by taxes and, you know, fuel taxes. And, and if you didn't know it, I should tell you that the trucking companies pay for most of the highway um, because they're paying taxes, excuse me, they're paying taxes by mile. And they have to do a huge amount of calculation every year to pay their taxes to the individual states for the miles they drive in that state. I mean, you talk about paperwork, right? Um, but that, the, the taxes from the, the big motor carriers, 
from the trucking companies is what pays for the, the lion's share of the, the highway taxes. And then, of course, you know, federal money, they're not paying federal taxes, but the federal, there's federal highway funds, which used to be, and maybe still is, um, I mean, I'm sure it's, you know, Department of Transportation, but it used to be um, the justification for federal funding of highways was always military. A good highway system allows the rapid deployment of troops into any area of the country in the case of invasion. So they can move troops from, you know, Georgia to the northern border if Canada invades. Um, that would be funny. I could just see Justin Trudeau trying to invade. That would be hilarious. I, I learned something new yesterday. Okay, we're doing a Monday meandering on Tuesday. I, did, I learned something new yesterday. And what I learned yesterday is that the United States is the third largest country on earth by population after China and India. I'd never thought about it. Makes perfect sense, but I'd never thought about it. And that was, that was, uh, that was in Vody Bauckham's interview with the Babylon Bee, which, if you haven't watched, is excellent. I, I would commend that to you. All right, let us begin, <laughs> half an hour into the show, or 20 minutes into the show, let us begin with our prayer of confession from the 2019 Book of Common Prayer. Almighty and most merciful Father, we have erred and strayed from your ways like lost sheep. We have followed too much the devices and desires of our own hearts. We have offended against your holy laws. We have left undone those things which we ought to have done, and we have done those things which we ought not to have done. And apart from your grace, there is no health in us. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Spare all those who confess their faults. Restore all those who are penitent, according to your promises declared to all people in Christ Jesus our Lord. And grant, O most merciful Father, for his sake, that we may now live a godly, righteous, and sober life to the glory of your holy name. Amen. Grant to your faithful people, merciful Lord, pardon and peace, that we may be cleansed from all our sins and serve you with a quiet mind through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. All right, now it's time for our reading from Daily Readings from the Life of Christ by John MacArthur. Today's devotional is entitled Desire, the Root Sin of Adultery. You have heard it said, you have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Matthew 5, 27 and 28. Dr. MacArthur writes, The seventh commandment protects the sanctity of marriage, and anyone who relies on external righteousness to keep it is prone to break it. Just as anger equals murder, lustful desire equals adultery. In Jesus' admonition, looks indicate intentional and repeated gazing. Therefore, he means purposefully looking that are purposeful looking that arouses lust. In contemporary 
in contemporary terms, it condemns a man who sees an X-rated movie, watches a salacious television show, or visits pornographic websites. It encompasses any thought or action done to arouse sexual desire. Jesus is not referring to accidental exposure to sexual temptation. It is no sin if a man looks away from a provocative scene. It is the continued look that Christ condemns, because that demonstrates an adulterous heart. And by inference, this prohibition would apply to women also, who must not gaze at men or dress in seductive ways to enlicit stares. The earliest redemptive history, excuse me, in the earliest redemptive history, Job understood these principles. I have made a covenant with mine eyes. How then could I gaze at a virgin? If my step is turned from the way, or my heart followed my eyes, or if any spot has stuck to my hands, let me sow and another eat, and let my crops be uprooted. Job 31, 1, and 7 and 8. If the adulterous heart gives in to temptation, the godly heart will protect itself. Praying, turn away my eyes from looking at vanity, and revive me in your ways. Establish your word with your servant, as that which produces reverence for you. Psalm 119, 37 and 38, with a cross-reference to 2 Timothy 2.22. Ask yourself. What could replace your next lustful thought or glance? Instead of focusing on what God has graciously restricted, what blessings, privileges, and freedoms can capture your attention instead? In this world of easy access to pornography, that is uh, definitely something to think about. Um, I think back on, you know, you know, years and years ago, you had to go to a seedy section of town and go to little theaters that existed in seedy sections of town. Um, and then when I was, you know, in high school and the video rentals came around, then you had the, 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 the list of videos you had to ask the clerk to see. They were not on the shelf, they were in the back room, and they would bring them out to you. And you could, you know, they would give you a list, and then you could choose from that list and rent those videos. Um, it still took some effort. It was kind of, you had to talk to somebody and admit what you were doing. Now, you just pick up your phone. And so the, the, the temptation has gotten much easier to indulge in. The temptation's the same, but it is much more easy to indulge in. So whoever looks at a woman to lust after her has already committed adultery with her in their heart. Our thought lives are important. And, and that's something that, that, uh, I think the two areas that any thoughtful Christian will admit could be better <laughs> in in all of our lives is our prayer life and our thought life. And and I think every one of us can know that. So maybe be be aware of that today and and be in prayer about that today. You know, create in me a clean heart, O oh God, and renew a right spirit within me.
um, because we do have, you know, sinful thoughts, and and that is hard to rein in. You know, whether it's you know thoughts of anger and hatred, which Jesus uh, consigned to the ranks of murderers, or whether it's lustful thoughts, where Jesus consigns that to the realm of adultery. Um, and those aren't the only, there's, there's greed, that's covetousness. <laughs> there's, you know, desiring something that, that is not rightfully yours. Um, which is, you know, a very different thing from, um, wanting something. You know, you can see something that, man, that'd be nice to have. And that's not coveting. Coveting is when it's an inordinate desire. And it's, you know, I can look at houses or cars, things that I could never afford, um, that are way beyond my ability to pay for. And I can say, you know, it'd be nice to have a Ferrari. It'd be nice to have a huge house. It'd be nice to have a vacation home in the Alps or whatever, you know. Those, that would be nice. I can look at it and I can admire it. I can even, you know, admit that I'd like to have that. But that is not the same as coveting an inordinate desire. Um, what is it? Coveting involved, it, coveting is, is a much darker thing. But it's a thought life thing. Um, somebody described it to me as if you're standing on the street corner and a nice Rolls Royce drives by and you think, that's a nice car. You know, if I work hard and save my money, I could maybe someday have a car like that. That's not coveting. But if you see a nice car drive by and your thought is, you don't deserve that, I'm going to figure out how to take that from you. Even if it never goes beyond your thoughts, that's coveting. Um, it's a it's a jealous desire. Um, so let's let's be mindful of that today. Be mindful of your prayer life and be mindful of your thought life, and and see what we can do. All right. Our prayer for the reading of the word. Blessed Lord, who caused all holy scriptures to be written for our learning, grant us so to hear them. Read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them, that by patience and the comfort of your holy word we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life, which you have given us in our Savior, Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. All right, we are looking at the first 21 verses of the 14th chapter of Deuteronomy. Let me read the passage. We're going to be talking about uh, an interesting subject today. Um, let me read the packet. Pa blah, 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 blah. Let me read the passage, and then we'll get into it. Deuteronomy chapter fourteen. You are the sons of Yahweh your God. You shall not gash yourself, nor shave your forehead for the sake of the dead, for you are a holy people to Yahweh your God. And Yahweh has chosen you to be a people for his treasured possession 
out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth. You shall not eat any abominable thing. These are the animals which you may not eat, or these are the animals which you may eat. The ox, the sheep, the goat, the deer, the gazelle, the roebuck, the wild goat, the ibex, the antelope, and the mountain sheep. And any animal that divides the hoof and has the hoof split in two and chews the cud among the animals, that one you may eat. Nevertheless, you are not to eat of those among the not of eat of these among those which chew the cud or among those that divide the hoof in two, the camel and the rabbit and the chafin, for though they chew the cud, they do not divide the hoof. They are unclean for you. And the pig, because it divides the hoof but does not chew the cud, it is unclean for you. You shall not eat any of their flesh nor touch their carcasses. These you may eat of all that are in water. Anything that has fins and scales you may eat, but anything that does not have fins and scales you shall not eat. It is unclean for you. You may eat any clean bird, but these are the ones which you shall not eat, the eagle and the vulture and the buzzard and the red kite and the falcon and the kite in their kinds, and every raven in its kind and the ostrich, the owl, the gull, and the hawk in their kinds, the little owl, the great owl, the white owl, the pelican, the carrion vulture, the cormorant, the stork, and the heron in their kinds, and the hoopoe and the bat, and all the teeming life with wings are unclean to you, they shall not be eaten. You may eat any clean bird." You shall not eat anything which dies of itself. You may give it to the sojourner who is within your gates, so that he may eat it, or you may sell it to a foreigner, for you are a holy people to Yahweh your God. You shall not boil a young goat in its mother's milk. lot here in this chapter, but basically there's two things. The first two verses are dealing with gashing and shaving. Yeah, You shall not gash yourself, nor shave your forehead for the sake of the dead, because you are holy people to Yahweh your God. The gashing and shaving were pagan mourning and worship practices. And this was not to be done, you know, because we're not to worship God, or the Israelites were definitely not to worship God in the manner of the pagan peoples around them. Leviticus 19, 27, 28 says, You shall not round off the side growth of your heads, nor harm the edges of your beard, and you shall not make any cuts in your body for the dead, nor make any tattoo marks on yourself. I am Yahweh. And it's interesting to me, Deuteronomy here doesn't mention tattoos. Excuse me. Tattoos have become extremely popular, and, and I see, you know, high school and even junior high kids with tattoos now. And a lot of the tattoos that I have seen are to honor a dead relative. So people get a tattoo to honor their deceased grandpa or their deceased mother or a 
you know, a deceased child. And and it's interesting that this is, you know, speaking about doing things for the dead. That's an interesting thought. Um, just just throwing that out there. Um, but they they shouldn't, you know, this was not something that that the Israelites were to do. No cutting and gashing yourself, which was done as a sign of mourning and as a sign, as is a method of worship. Um, we'll look at uh, the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel here in a second. Nor were they to shave their heads in mourning. Now, this does not contradict certain rites in the Levitical law that did require the shaving of the heads. Um, but this was a specific practice of the pagans that the Israelites were not to do. Um, on Mount Carmel, as they were trying to entreat Baal to consume the offering on the mountain, First uh, Kings 18.28 we read, So they cried with a loud voice and gashed themselves according to their custom with swords and lances until the blood gushed out on them. So they were cutting themselves to try to attract the attention of Baal to consume the sacrifice. Um, and, and that is one of the most powerful scenes in, in the, the Old Testament. And I, I, I'm still, every time I read it, I'm amused at Elijah's mockery, you know where he's telling them to, to yell louder because their God may be out on vacation or he may be in the bathroom. <laughs> and it's just, it cracks me up <laughs> every time. Um, yeah, no respect. <laughs> no respect for Baal. Um, so that's the first two verses, is, is don't practice these pagan practices of, of mourning. Don't do this for the sake of the dead. He says, because you are a holy people to Yahweh your God, and Yahweh has chosen you to be a people for his treasured possession out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth. So it's because they are gods that they are not to follow the pagan practices. Now that's directly applicable to the Christian today if not in detail, but in, you know, Romans 12, <laughs> do not be conformed to this world, <laughs> but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Um, we are not to conform to this world, and that is an important thing for all of us to remember, that we are not to be conformed to this world. And that's what he's saying here. Don't conform to the practices of mourning that you see among the pagans around you. You're not to mourn your dead in that way. Then in verse 3, from 3 through 21, it's talking about clean and unclean animals. Um, not going to read it, but, you know, the cross-reference is Leviticus 18, 2 through 23. Very similar list of what you can and what you can't eat or what Israel could and couldn't eat, let me say specifically. Now, here in Deuteronomy, it's divided up into four, or into three sections. The first section 
is verses 4 through 8. Verse 3 says, you shall not eat any abominable thing. But then 4 through 8, it talks about the animals that you can eat and the animals that you can't eat. Clean animals both have a cloven hoof and chew the cud. If only one of those criteria is met, the animal is unclean. Rabbits chew the cud, but they have paws, not hooves. They don't have split hooves. Um, your uh, pigs have split hooves. They don't, you know, just examples that are given. So, um, cleanness here is not based on the animal's vegetarian diet. The camel, the hare, and the rock badger are all vegetarian, but they are unclean. They are not to be eaten by the, the, the Israelites. Then, verses 9 through 10 is fish. And, and it, the prohibition here is that for seafood to be clean, it needs both fins and scales. So, no catfish, no eel, you know, um, just a you know, they're if they have fins and scales, like a you know, good trout, you can you can eat trout. But if they don't have scales, then they're they need both fins and scales. And then birds. Now there's no summary criteria given to distinguish birds and the unclean. You know, we have the 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 hooves and the chewing of the cud for animals. We have scales and fins for fish, but there's no, this is how you tell a clean from an unclean bird. Um, the unclean seem to be primarily birds of prey, but, you know, what about ostriches? I don't know. Are, are ostriches omnivorous? I'm not sure. Are they birds of prey? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I know that that you know, ostrich and emu meat are have become popular um, alternatives to beef because um, it is a, a it's a red meat. Um, I've had some; it's good. Um, so there is no summary criteria given to tell you what is and is not a clean bird, but it seems to be the birds of prey were the ones that were not allowed. And uh, birds of prey eat carrion and blood, and the eating of carrion and blood is forbidden to the Israelites. So, you know, the birds are considered unclean because they eat carrion and blood. That's the only um, criteria I was able to determine and and none of the commentaries I read seem to do any better than that, um, because there isn't a, like I said, there there isn't a, a criteria established like there is with animals and fish. Then verse twenty one, roadkill, <laughs> an animal that dies on its own. Um, eating the meat of an animal that had died a natural death was prohibited. And this seems to be primarily because they were not killed in the prescribed manner 
they were not bled out. So the blood was still present in the animal, and you were not allowed to consume the blood. Remember, the life is in the blood. This is not something that is to be eaten by the Israelite. But note something here, and this is really interesting. Look at verse 21 again. You shall not eat anything which dies of itself. You may give it to the sojourner who is within your gates so that he may eat it, or you may sell it to a foreigner, for you are a holy people to Yahweh your God. You shall not boil a young goat in its mother's milk. We'll get to that in a minute. Note, this doesn't apply to non-Israelites even within the terri territory of Israel. Now, the sojourner is elsewhere prohibited from eating blood. So if you're, if you're in Israel, the eating of blood was illegal. But the eating of carrion was permitted to the sojourner or the foreigner. So these rules were given to Israel, not to the other nations. And the other nations are not condemned by God for their dietary practices. There are commands from God to the Israelites not to eat pig. There's no condemnation from God to the other nations that do eat pork. And the interesting thing is that even in the Bible where you see condemnation for those who eat pork, it's judgmental Israelites condemning foreigners for their consumption of pork. It's not God condemning foreigners for their consumption of pork. These were laws meant for Israel. And that's an important thing to remember because this is one that, that atheists will always throw up because they'll, you know, People will talk about biblical morality online. I've seen it. I mean, you've seen it too. Somebody will make some comment about biblical morality, especially in regards to uh, sexual ethics. Um, and the comeback is always, do you eat shellfish? Do you eat shrimp? Those are unclean. You shouldn't, you know, where do you, where do you choose what you should follow and what you shouldn't? Well, as I said before, when's the last time you marched around Jericho once a day for six days and seven times on the seventh day? It matters who and when a commandment was given to. Not every prohibition in Scripture is for everyone. Not every command in Scripture is for everyone. Some commands are for specific people in specific places and times. Other commands are for everybody everywhere. This is a specific people, specific place and time command, the eating of clean and unclean foods. This was designed to set Israel apart. This was designed to make Israel different. There's no com moral component to the eating of clean and unclean foods the prohibition that, that the Israelites were under. Now, there is a moral component to obeying or disobeying God. So once God tells you to do it, it becomes a moral matter because it is something you are to obey. But there is no underlying moral component, meaning that if God has not told you, you can't eat 
lobster. You're free to eat lobster. And indeed, at the time of Christ, this is a prohibition that God himself lifts. So I don't, I don't think this applies even to Israel today, the, the eating of clean and unclean foods. Um, this was for Israel then. Um, it, it, it really isn't for anybody now. Now, how do I know this? Mark seven fourteen, Jesus is speaking. Uh, we read, And after he called the crowd to him again, he began saying to them, Listen to me, all of you, and understand. There is nothing outside the man which can defile him if it goes into him. But the things which proceed out of the man are what, are what defile the man. And if anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And when he had left the crowd and entered the house, his disciples were asking him about the parable, and he said to them, Are you lacking understanding in this way as well? Do you not perceive that whatever goes into the man from the outside cannot defile him, because it does not go into his heart, but into his stomach and goes to the sewer? Thus he declared all foods clean. And he was saying that which proceeds out of the man, that is what defiles the man. For from within, out of the heart of men, proceed the evil thoughts, sexual immoralities, thefts, murders, adulteries, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, evil, slander, pride, and foolishness. All these evil things proceed from within and defile the man. It goes back to what we were talking about when we read that passage from John MacArthur's devotional. Think about your thought life because it's what proceeds out of the heart. And remember in ancient times, the heart was the seat of thinking. You thought in your heart. Um, we, we think of thinking in your head and, and feeling in your heart, but the heart was thought. Um, so all these things... That's what defiles a person, is what comes out of the heart, which means the person is already defiled whether they take action or not, because that defilement is already in them. This is the doctrine of the total depravity of man. It's the only doctrine I've heard, the only doctrine that's empirically provable. You just have to look at the lives of men. Um. We have Acts 10, 19 through, 9 through 16, where we, this is the, the famous scene uh, where Peter is up on the housetop praying. It says, On the next day, as they were on their way and approaching the city, Peter went up on the housetop about the sixth hour to pray, but he became hungry and was desiring to eat. And while they were making preparations, he fell into a trance and saw heaven open up and an object like a great sheet coming down, lowered by four corners to the ground. And there were in it all kinds of four-footed animals and crawling creatures of the earth and birds of the sky. And a voice came to him, Rise up, Peter, slaughter and eat. But Peter said, By no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything defiled and unclean. Again a voice came to him a second time, What God has cleansed no longer consider defiled. 
And this happened three times, and immediately the object was taken up into heaven. So we see here that God has declared God in the person of Jesus Christ, um, and God in the vision to Peter, declare all foods clean. So you are free to have shrimp, you are free to have pork, you know, um, one of the, you know, the, the, you shall not boil a young goat in its mother's milk was the last part of, of verse 21. This is the rationale why, uh, Orthodox Jews won't eat a cheeseburger on the off chance that that milk came from the mother of that cow. You can't guarantee it didn't happen. Therefore, they won't eat a cheeseburger. Um, I guess pizza, if it has meat on it, is right out. So, um, you know, the, the, these, the prohibition about, uh, from, from what I was able to read last week, looking at verse 21, and the prohibition about the boiling a young goat in its mother's milk, um, this apparently was a part of a pagan fertility rite, where they actually did this in worship, where they would boil the kid in its own mother's milk as part of a worship service. So again, this, this seems to reflect back on pagan worship. Um, but it has nothing to do with, with cheeseburgers or, you know, a sausage pizza with mozzarella cheese, you know, extra cheese, onions, jalapenos. Oh yeah. Good stuff. So, you know, the, the dietary laws were given to Israel, for Israel, for a period of time. That period of time has ended. And so the dietary laws are no longer in effect. This was a law, we talked about, you know, universal laws and situational laws a while back, where I talked about the speed limit, you know. Um, a speed limit is not for all people at all times and all places. There is a road right here, which is an interstate highway, which has a speed limit of 80 miles an hour. Just on the other side of the river is a county road that has a speed limit of 55. So the speed limit is not for everybody everywhere all the time. And even the road over here that goes 80 miles an hour when you get to Missoula, it drops its speed down to 65 while you're driving through Missoula. And then it goes back up to 80 on the other side of Bonner. So it's not a universal speed limit even on that road to which it applies. Also, in the 1970s, the speed limit on that road was 55 because that was the federal speed limit set by Jimmy Carter. Um, so we, we see, you know, and, and, and I, the, the dietary laws given to Israel are of that same order. They were the law for Israel. Then that law has been lifted with the coming of Christ. It had a purpose. Its purpose has passed. Therefore the law has passed. Um, and so, 
like I said, go ahead, have a cheeseburger, have shrimp or lobster, you know, uh, you know, eat eat rabbit, <laughs> um, eat emu meat or ostrich meat. You're you're fine, you're fine. I still don't know that I would eat raven, just because ooh, but there's no moral prohibition against eating what were considered unclean foods. Now, from people that I have talked to who have done it, eating predatory animals, they don't taste that good. You know, I've, I, I know people, now, I, I say that, but then I think, well, gosh, you've had alligator and it was pretty good. But people that have eaten, like, man, well, now I'm thinking about this. I was going to say people have eaten like wolf and stuff, but, you know, you look at, in many Oriental countries, dog is a valid source of meat. This is in Peru, it's guinea pigs. You know, there's, there's, uh, so, but there's no moral component to these dietary laws. So, yeah, go ahead. You know, if you, if you like it, eat it. It's not a prohibition for us today. It only ever applied to Israel. And, and we can see that in verse 21 where it says you can, you can sell these animals. You can serve these animals that are unclean for you to, you know, sojourners. You can sell these animals to foreigners. You just can't eat them yourself. Well, God wouldn't have allowed that if there was a moral component. Think about that. You know, they'll be like, you know, saying it's because we know that because you look at the things that have moral components like sexual immorality, like false worshiping, false gods, etc. God did judge other nations for those things. But the dietary laws were for Israel in that time, and they don't even apply to Israel now. So. That is that. All right. Let us recite our faith in the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended to the heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Now the colic for the tenth Sunday after Pentecost. Almighty and most merciful God, it is only by your grace that your faithful people offer you true and laudable service. Grant that we may run without stumbling to obtain your heavenly promises through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Now the colic for peace. O God, the author of peace and lover of concord, to know you is eternal life and to serve you is perfect freedom. Defend us, your humble servants, in all assaults of our enemies that we, surely trusting in your defense, may not fear the power of any adversaries through the might of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.
and now the colic for the unrepentant? Merciful God, you desire not the death of sinners, but rather that they should turn to you and live. And through your only Son, you have revealed yourself as the God who pardons iniquity. Have mercy on the unrepentant and those who do not believe. Awaken in them by your word and Holy Spirit a deep sense of their sinfulness and peril. Take from them all ignorance, hardness of heart, and contempt of your word. Grant them to know and feel that there is no other name under heaven given among men by which they must be saved, but only the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so bring them home and number them among your children, that they may be yours forever, through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, world without end. Amen. All right, folks, that is Squirrel Chatter for this Tuesday. We will pick up in verse 22 of chapter 14 of Deuteronomy tomorrow as we continue our study Bible level Bible study, which I hope I'm enjoying doing it. I hope you're enjoying uh, and, and learning from it as we go along. Deuteronomy is, as I have said, it is the, the book of Romans of the Old Testament. And it is very, very important and and should uh, it should be shaping to our theology an understanding of Deuteronomy so i hope that that is being beneficial to you have a great tuesday remember to do the things you ought to do don't do the things you ought not do and whatever you do do it for the glory of the lord we'll see you again here tomorrow for another episode of scroll chatter take care god bless Squirrel Chatter is recorded in front of a live studio hamster.